Today's cars and trucks are loaded with technology, and much of that technology is rich with data. On this week's show, we examine how automotive companies may be able to turn that data into money to better their bottom lines. Underwriting for AutoLine this week has been provided by Borg Warner. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. You know, traditionally, the automotive industry has always made its money by manufacturing and selling cars. But in the not-too-distant future, it could be making even more money by monetizing data. Do you even know what that means? I'm not sure that I do, but I got three experts to help us learn what it's all about, including John McFarlane. He's the director of Connected Owner Experiences at General Motors. What an interesting title that is. Also joining us today are Joe Vitale. He's the global automotive industry leader at Deloitte. And Ben Hoffman is the CEO of Movimento, a supplier company that is also now owned by Dolphi. And I want to thank all three of you for having joined me here today. Thank you. Joe, I'm going to throw it out to you right from the very beginning. What do they mean when they say monetizing data? So if, if uh, the way Frost and Sullivan actually characterize what the data is right now from a connected vehicle, it's about 10 you know, megabytes. But that's going to grow to five gigabytes on average uh, for per, per connected vehicle by 2018. So all this data that's coming from the vehicle, and we call it digital exhaust, how do you take that data and turn that into gold? How do you turn that into you know, meaningful value for consumers, meaningful value for cities in, in how they manage and operate their transportation systems? How do you improve the flow of goods and, and people within cities and across highways? And, and that's really, that's really uh, data monetization, capturing that data and turning that into meaningful profits for the companies that are taking that data and creating insights and improving the lives of people. Okay, John McFarland, you're with General Motors. How does a car company take this data and monetize it? I mean, how do you do it? Well, I think the, the first step is actually being able to collect the data, which is something that the auto industry historically hasn't been leading in. But I think when you look at a company like GM, where we've had OnStar since 1996, and we now do 11 billion pieces of data, anonymized data every day from our connected vehicle fleet around the world. And so the first step is being able to have access to that data, anonymized, and, and to be able to collect Explain it. Explain that, because a lot of people have never heard that term, anonymized. Yeah, it's, so collecting data from the car and anonymized means that you can't trace it back to a specific person or, or to a specific vehicle. And so what you're doing is you're getting an information around a whole fleet of vehicles, and so you can draw conclusions, you can understand habits and behaviors, but not down to the individual level. And that's important, because when you think about connected cars, Privacy is a, is a really big concern and something that OEMs and companies like GM take very seriously. So the ability to anonymize the data, collect it, analyze it, and then to be able to create experiences, be able to monetize it is important. But that trust, that ability to have high quality data that's anonymized and so that you maintain trust with customers is absolutely critical. Okay, and we're going to get into more of that, but I've got to bring Ben Hoffman into the discussion here because your company, Movimento, now with Delphi is sort of developing the enabling technology to do this. Right, right. And what is that technology? How do you collect all this so stuff? There's multiple pieces, and, and John's in a great position with, with General Motors since 96, as real industry leaders for connectivity. Much of the rest of the industry is not there. So Delphi has been on an aggressive strategy over the last two, three, four years to develop a data strategy that can be deployed for mobility services, right? different topic to, to circle back to, automated driving, and then just the current near-term opportunities of data collection, data analytics, how do, you, how do you reduce cost? 
and, and then from a partner strategy, uh, Autonomo, an Israeli company, has a data marketplace. So data can be captured and collected and then shared, opt-in for a Starbucks or other retail environments or insurance. Control Tech is another piece of the, the Delphi data strategy that they've acquired two years ago to do deep level data analytics, engineering level physics model based mm -hmm. analytics of that data. Again, things that General Motors has been leading for, for a number of years, but to bring that to the rest of the industry, be a real game changer. And a game changer in the sense too, right? Because uh, every car company is probably collecting data and, and constructing it in a different way. You need right. some way to make it common for everybody to use. Absolutely, and that, I know Joe will come back to that of the cities and, and the global opportunities to collect data, but if the data is from different OEM brands, which it will be by definition, it's very hard to make sense of the data for the analysis tools to leverage that. So if you can get the data in a, in a more standardized way, and there's a lot of industry terms and, and options to do that, but Delphi is going to be a leader in that space also. Joe, before we get into all the cities, let, let's talk about how big this market may become. McKinsey came out with a study earlier this year that said the value of the data generated in cars could be worth anywhere from $450 billion a year to $750 billion a year by 2030, which in automotive terms is just a couple of design cycles away. Do you guys see it the same way at Deloitte? Or where do you think, or how big, I should ask, could this market become? So, so first point is no one knows. Um, but the way, the way that we kind of look at it is you got to look at you know, what the current value chain is and what the value chain of the future is. And we've done extensive research around you know, how the value chain is, where the money goes. So if you look at you know, the current value chain in the U.S. for just the selling and maintenance, uh, and all the services associated with the vehicle, it's about $2 trillion and about uh, you know, $5 trillion globally. Then if you add on top of that uh, public transportation, which is a big component of it, you know, it's, it's, it, it's at least double, double that. So in the future, you know, where, where, where the opportunity is going to be is the shift from this, this physical value chain to a digital value chain. And all of the, you know, the opportunity is going to be based upon what the efficiencies and the savings could be as you move from the current mode of transportation to this future mode. So as we move to electric vehicles, as we move towards car sharing, as we move for autonomous vehicle, what, what, is, what is the savings and efficiencies associated with that? And we believe that it's, it, it could be at least as, you know, as much as 50%. So if you look at 50%, you know, there's potentially out there uh, if, you, if you say the market for transportation is about seven to ten trillion dollars, there's there's about fifty percent of that, so you know, three to to uh, you know, five trillion dollars that value that could be captured by other way, other means. And so I I think the upside you know could be that because uh, a lot of that is going to be spent in other ways. It's not going to completely, you know, the amount, amount of money that's spent on transportation is going to completely go away. It's just going to be spent in different ways that creates more efficiencies, that allow for growth, and, and I think the, the whole data monetization is going to be a big component of that. John, can you give us an example of how this works? And I got to believe that you guys are already onto it and that you know, you're not waiting for the next decade before you can start monetizing sure. that. Yeah, and I think the key to monetization of data is that, it, it, again, it all comes back to the customer. And are we able to make the customer experience better? Are we able to make it better to own a GM vehicle as a result? And I think a good example of that is a program we have called Smart Driver. And so what Smart Driver does is it takes a, a, really a customer pain point around owning a vehicle, which is car insurance and something that's expensive and that frankly there's a lot of, a lot of um, you know, misunderstanding about how it works. And we all kind of pay fees to the middle of the curve. 
And what Smart Driver does is it enables customers to get real-time feedback, excuse me, feedback over how they drive based on real-time data conditions. And so if you are um, hard braking, if you're accelerating too quickly, you can get feedback on that driving behavior. And then if you choose to as a customer, you can then have a report generated after 90 days that gives you a, a for lack of a better term, a report card on how, well, how good of a driver you are. And if you're Joe and it comes back and it says you're a 95% percentile driver, you're exceptional, um, you can then share that with an insurance company and actually save money on your insurance. And so what you see there, I think, is a three-way value creation, which is really important when it comes to data collection. Customer benefit is they're saving money and they're hopefully becoming better and safer drivers. For GM, we're able to provide a better experience for our customers and then participate in the value stream with insurance companies. And insurance companies are getting qualified um, customers basically that are, are, have lower risk, risk profiles and can price accordingly. So I think that's an example of how the value chain has to work. You have to be able to take data, turn it into meaningful experiences for customers that makes owning or driving a vehicle better, and then, and only then, find ways to monetize. Ben, I've got to believe that customers aside, automakers and suppliers in the industry can benefit directly from this kind of data as well. Uh, huge, huge opportunities and, and really, we were talking a little bit before the show, what are some of the opportunities, what's a tipping point, right? What's a tipping point opportunity? And uh, customers or end customers, which is gonna change, right? To Joe, Joe, come, I'm sure cover that. Who's the real customer? Who's the owner of the vehicle? Who's the operator of the vehicle in the future when it's shared or when it's right, mobility or certainly when it's autonomous and automated? But in the near term, there are billions of dollars of cost save, real cost save opportunities so give some throughout the industry. How? So in the last year and a half, software related recalls, right? a lot of publicity around that, a lot of, lot of, lot of information, mm -hmm. software related recalls and warranty spend has overtaken hard parts. And so you think about that as, as a situation, the, the, more, the more and better data you can bring back and provide to the engineering community within the OEM, and then as part of the Delphi strategy, broader base, right? as part of the broader base to the supplier communities, that allows for identity, identification of those issues earlier. And when you enable software updates over the air and through the connected, connected vehicles, now you can address those and, and find them and correct them at much lower cost, much earlier, and, and to John's point, back to the benefit of the customer. And I think uh, that's an important point that you just raised, over-the-air updates, i.e., you don't have to take the car back to the dealership, right. and that's one of uh, Movimento's core That's uh, one of our core technologies, technologies. And, that, and that's one of the strategies around the, the Delphi pillars of data with control tech, data marketplace with Autonomo, Movimento as the over-the-air update, you know, Tesla-like updates, and people are very familiar, you know, you talked about Tesla, you know, they've, they've shown in many cases what's possible. GM has shown what's possible you know, for a number of years in connectivity, so really taking it to the next level. That can roll out across the industry because there's huge value there, and I'm sure, I'm sure Joe has covered that with a number of customers, right, and cities as well going forward. Mm -hmm. right, the diesel emissions smog problem, there are software updates that could address those vehicles when that can be done remotely you, you, and over you, the air. You, you made a really good point. You, you said marketplace. Um, I think marketplace is kind of foreign to uh, you know, automotive companies. Right. It's not foreign to technology companies. Technology companies understand you know, creating a marketplace by collecting data, aggregating the data, and providing a platform that services can, can connect to is, and, and keeping it open such that you, you know, it's not closed. You can allow you know, service providers. So for example, if you look at insurance companies, you know, being able to provide data and information on, on, on um, driver behavior, where they drive, how they drive, in what conditions they drive. Do they drive through um, dangerous intersections? 
Um, those, that's a wealth of information that could help in insurance companies setting premiums for individuals and ultimately being able to get to uh, you know, pay per usage, pay for journey based upon where you're going, how you're driving, what's the weather conditions, and who's driving the vehicle. What other things do you guys see? I mean, what, what other kinds of services or even new industries might be built up around this data? Well, I think another piece of it, too, we haven't talked about. There's the data that gets, that gets sent up through the connected car up into the cloud and analyzed. There's also the idea of what's available inside the vehicle as well. And so what you've seen us do at General Motors as well is make some of that vehicle information available to approved uh, developers as well. And so we have a, an SDK as an example that... What's an SDK? A software development kit, yeah. And, and it gives access to 400 data elements from the vehicle, from steering angle to um, you know, drive state, so on and so forth, so that when we partner with developers to actually develop software solutions for our vehicles, that can be added to the car after it's been shipped and built, which is a, a very different type of model for us. Um, you have developers that can develop experiences that make, again, driving and owning that vehicle better because it's using direct access to the vehicle that's in the car, as well as then we're able to use 4G LTE in order to send data to the cloud as well to be analyzed. And I think going back to the comment you made around um, improvements and understanding and using data to get better, you know, another uh, use case we have is the idea around being proactive and using data and analytics to actually predict when there's going to be a failure. And that's kind of the combination of software type of improvements where it meets hardware improvements. Because in some of our vehicles, for example, fuel systems um, uh, is an example where we see some, some areas that can be prevented in advance, or battery, if your battery is low of charge. We can do analytics and predict with a pretty good degree of confidence when your battery is going to go dead. So we can notify the customer in advance and so that you eliminate this idea of discovering a problem once it exists. So, so those are just some of the examples of how when you combine the data from inside the vehicle to the cloud, it can become very powerful. Who's going to control this data? I mean, I, I see data being generated by the cars. I see people in the cars generating their own data. Then you've got companies like Movimento, Autonomo, and, and the like that are going to be controlling the flow. Uh, there's going to be tech companies involved. In fact, they already are, the Googles and the Apple. Who, who, who's going to have the data? Well, are we, our customers are always in control of their data and what data we collect. And I think that goes back to the importance of privacy and the customer remaining in control of what they share and what they don't, and also what value they get in return. Joe, yeah, how do you I, think it's going to go? I, yeah, I think this is a great question. So for, for, for first thing is the data that comes from the vehicle um, is competing with other data. So for example, this percentage of vehicles that are connected is very small. So we were working with the Transport for London. They wanted to figure out how to reduce the congestion. And they tried to do that through congestion pricing by you know, charging people to, you know, to, to, for, for the usage of certain highways, certain streets, at certain times of day, they pay, pay congestion price. Uh, they can actually monitor um, all of the flow of vehicles you know, in a city without having the data from the connected vehicle. They're doing it through cameras. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not the best, it's not in real time, uh, but it is sufficient for them to be able to do certain things that they, they can now apply congestion pricing to reduce congestions in the city. So as, 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 as the mobile device, which we all know, everyone that owns a vehicle, everyone that's in a vehicle has a mobile device. <laughs> Mass amounts of data that's being collected. From in your that. cell phone, you're saying. Yes. Yeah. You know, what is incremental and new that the vehicle is offering that the mobile device can't 
and how is accessible is that data going to be versus the accessibility of the data from the mobile device, which ultimately would determine you know, who, who actually owns or is, has access to the data. Mm -hmm. Ben, what is the, the difference then? I mean, as, as Joe just pointed out, we all have cell phones. They're generating a massive amount of data. Why do you need also the data that's coming from a car if everyone's already got a cell phone? So some of that is, the, uh, John, just a great question of what's the use case for it? What's the value drivers if a dealer service operation wants to have you come back to the dealership if they know there's a problem or they know you're ready, right, you, that your oil change is due or your tires are worn from a physics model or the brakes or otherwise, they can reach out to you. That's a value for you, the customer, and that's a value right, for the dealer. Right? There's a lot of value to be captured there. And, and as John talked about that, other, that battery example, one of the new, one of the new opportunities, experience opportunities is if the vehicle knows, and that's vehicle data, right? Specific, that, that only comes from the vehicle. The smartphone doesn't know that. The car itself. Right? The right. camera doesn't know that. The car knows that and the intelligence on board. Joe works for the dealership. They reach out to you and say, your battery might not start. There's a chance it's not going to start in the next week because of the cold temperatures, right? They can predict that going forward. Would you like us to come out and change it for you? Absolutely, right? That's a game-changing opportunity mm. of, of the whole ecosystem. And, and same way on some of the fleet side, the smart cities, right? Some of the fleet operators that look at this in a large scale spend billions of dollars right? collectively in a, in a U.S. market alone. That can be driven down significantly, 5, 10, 20 percentage points and more by using data from the vehicle. And that's only vehicle data. So it's really the separation to Joe's point. Cameras from the, from the infrastructure can provide this level of information, and, and that's mm -hmm. available. The mobile phone from the tech companies and the, and the connected devices can provide another level of movement and who you are, but you really have to be on board and to get that information yeah. off. That, yeah, that, yeah. That's a really, you know, really significant and point to understand. You're hitting a really important use case, which is around fleet, right, and the importance of being able to help fleet management companies mm -hmm. effectively and, and cost-efficiently manage their fleets. And, Part of our approach to connectivity has been, I mentioned the SDK earlier, we also do a lot of work around making our APIs available to fleet companies. So examples would be with Telogis or Yeah, what, What's an API? <laughs> yeah. An API, the easiest way to think about it, an API enables you basically um, to, to take a service from the connected vehicle and then use it for your own, for your own type of good. And so um, an example of around Telogis, well, let's use um, a rental car company that we work with where now we have remote APIs available, um, the ability to remotely unlock your car that now the rental car company can make available to their customers. So if you rent one of their cars and now you can remotely unlock your rental car. From, it's from, making from our, the app. From the app. From the so it's it's making our capabilities available to our, our fleet companies. And, uh, and to your point, providing that data and so that they're able to make more efficient and, and uh, more effectively manage their fleets, which is a game changer for a lot of our partners. Yeah, and you know, just, just to add what, what they're saying, you know, if you think about where the tipping point is going to be, I think you know, you know, we define kind of four, four states. I'm just going to talk about two. So one is this movement for a world of car sharing. The second is you know, the autonomous driverless vehicle and, and movement towards accessibility. What that's going to do, it's going to have a, a profound increase in the number of fleet operators. So if there's an autonomous vehicle, it's shared. Vehicle ownership is going to go way down, but shared vehicles is going, in, is going to go way up. 
there's going to be fleet operators that have to manage that. If you're a fleet operator, the biggest thing you want to do is uptime of the vehicle. So all the things around preventative maintenance, driver behavior, and safety of the vehicles, and ensuring that you're operating that fleet in the most efficient, efficient way um, is going to create, you know, that, the data to do that is going to be available and accessible, and much of that data is, is accessible in the vehicle. The second big area is going to be when you look at the systemic changes that are going to occur in cities, when you start having multimodal and intermodal uh, transportation, where individuals' journeys are going to be not you know, getting in their vehicle and going from point A to point B. It may be getting in their vehicle, going to a train station you know, in, in, in an autonomous vehicle, from the train station, you know, getting that, the last mile, could be through bike, could be through walking, could be through a microtransit, it could be through hailing a taxi. Um, so many different modes. Being able to manage that, you know, and if you think about the millions and millions of vehicles that are flowing through a city um, and the data that's necessary to do that, and whoever kind of aggregates that data and provides that seamless end-to-end -end multimodal transportation uh, for, for individuals, and you, your point around making it such that individuals Right now, you, know, you, you work really hard and you can't wait to get to the point. Well, if you can get to the point where the customer experience, you, know, you don't want to get to their destination, then, you, then you've won. <laughs> so, John, does General Motors aggregate all this stuff? Is it going to become a provider of intramodal and intermodal transportation? Well, I think our, our focus right now is on how do we provide the best, absolute best experience that we can provide for our customers with the data. And our customers can be, obviously, the people that buy and, and drive our vehicles. Our fleet customers are a big focus for us as well. And so, um, as I said, we do a bi 11 billion pieces of data anonymized every day. And so we have a lot of data, and the way that we use that and monetize that, I think we're going to continue to see use cases grow and, and more and more applications over the coming years. Do you have a cost accounting program that captures the value of that data for General Motors? I think that we, we look at value creation through in a couple different lenses. So one is clearly with our business partnerships, and so how are we generating revenue, how are we generating value there? Um, we also see a cost savings side of it as well, so how do we recognize cost savings within the company? And then also, how are we creating and delivering really outstanding customer features that they're willing to pay for and that they want to, frankly, makes them want to buy one of our vehicles is a big piece of it as well. Because we do believe that a connected vehicle overall is a better vehicle, and our, our customers are, are seeing that as well. When you say cost savings, is that alluding to what Ben brought up of being able to track trends potentially uh, warranty issues before they happen. Yeah, I think the, the proactive alerts example is a good one where you can get out in front of problems. Um, I also, though, we've been doing uh, over-the-air updates for um, over 15 years at General Motors. And through OnStar. We have, through OnStar, through OnStar. And you see a tremendous amount of, of savings, but also I think cost savings is a big piece of it, but also just not having to impact the customer is so important that you're able to instantly take care of something, hopefully before there's there's... It's something that even has to, to bother them. They don't have to necessarily take action, and that's, that's really compelling. And then when, they, when there is action required, you mentioned the idea around um, getting the dealer involved in providing that data. Another thing that we've been doing for years on OnStar is we call it um, dealer maintenance notifications, which is exactly packaging up the data from the vehicle, providing it to their dealer, so that their dealer knows exactly what's going on with their vehicle, so that when the customer comes in, they're able to, to customize their service and just deliver an outstanding overall service experience for them. You know, all this sounds great, Ben, but when I talk to family members or friends about this, they go, ooh, I don't want them collecting all that data on it. How are we going to get by customer or consumer resistance to all these corporations collecting their data and making money off it? Right. Part of it is certainly an educational aspect, but, but really importantly is 
what's what's in it for me, the customer, right? What's my benefit? Is my dealer experience better? Do I save money on insurance, right? Do I get a discount when I go to the, you know get the coffee? Um, so, so it's going to be what's the in that perspective? What's the driver for me to opt in, right? As John mm-hmm. said very clearly, it's it's customers are first. There are countries and regions of the world that has very specific data privacy, data rights, data data That's movement. a great point. Different parts of the ro- world, you're going to face different regulations. Data movement aspects. So there's a cloud platform and a policy management aspect that the technology providers like a, like a Delphi and OEMs like, mm-hmm. a, like a General Motors need to be able to support and maintain, uh, which, is, which is very complex and very difficult. So that's a, that's a real challenge. Uh, but it's going to be a customer value. What's the ca- customer value for opt-in? We were talking earlier as, as, this, as this group in advance. People are already doing it with their mobile phones. They're opting in, whether they recognize it or not, how much data they're sharing about their location, their use, the information. And so some of that, the, the automotive side of the industry is going to, I think, do a better job of really what the awareness is and the tracking. And, and so customer, yeah. customer enabled. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Customer value driver. I agree with you on that. I think that our, our philosophy at General Motors is, and I've mentioned it a couple of times, we want our customers to be in control of their data and we, because with that comes they're able to get value from it, but the value exchange has to be mutual. And so they have to see, I know exactly what data is being collected. I know how it's being used, and I agree to that. And so what you see from us is a very overt um, presentation of any time data is going to be collected, exactly what's being collected, why, and what, what's going to be done with it. And the customer always has the choice to either opt in or opt out. And I'm sure you've probably seen what we've seen in studies we've done, that a very, very high percentage of individuals actually do opt in. They do. They do. Yeah. They do. So, Joe, we're down to the last minute here. This is a game changer for the industry, is it? It sure sounds like it, the way you guys are talking. No, it, it really is. And you know, what, what, what's interesting about this is the vertical integrated supply chain you know, you know, does not apply here. You know, this is going to require an ecosystem of players with very different and diverse skill sets coming together you know, with cities and public and private partnerships with technology companies, with data aggregators, with fleet operators, you know, with, with the distribution network, the OEMs, the suppliers, all really coming together because this is a massive problem, but the upside is tremendously uh, beneficial to all players and ultimately it's beneficial to consumers. Real good. I hate to, to hang up this conversation. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is fascinating. But I got to thank the three of you. John McFarlane with General Motors, Joe Vitale with Deloitte, Ben Hoffman with Movimento, part of Delphi. Right. Thank you very much for a very interesting discussion. We just started. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope all of you enjoyed it as much as I did. Underwriting for Autoline this week has been provided by Borg Warner. 